Hello and welcome to this quiet talk from Father Dan Jones. I'm the rector of St. Michael's Church in Colony, New York, and I'm glad you're listening today. I want you to think for a moment about a verse in the first chapter of St. Paul's letter to the Romans. That verse goes like this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. You know, Paul's life was preaching the gospel of Christ. He lived for it and he died for it. So what did he mean when he said that the gospel is the power of God? First, what is the gospel? The gospel is the good news, the message of what Christ has done. He died on the cross and rose from the dead this message is the power of God. And when you think about a man hanging on a cross, impaled, helpless, his life slowly ebbing away, you don't get a picture of power. And yet it was this death that unleashed God's power in a greater way than ever in history. How? Now, when Jesus was arrested at first, his disciples tried to resist with physical force. Jesus told them to stop. And then he said to those who arrested him, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs? When I was with you day after day in the temple, you did not lay hands on me. But this is your hour and the power of darkness the power of darkness. Now, the Greek word for power here is not the same one Paul used in Romans, but they are certainly related. The word Jesus used means authority, as one who has the right to make decisions over others. The crucifixion of Jesus was an exercise of the power or the authority of darkness. In other words, Satan, who is called the prince or the ruler of darkness. So when you get right down to it and ask the age-old question, who crucified Jesus? The answer is Satan. It is certainly true that this happened in the plan of God. For Paul also tells us in chapter 8 of Romans that God did not spare his own son, but handed him over to those who killed him. His death was not an accident. But the amazing thing is that this death that Satan inflicted on God's Son actually defeated Satan. There are many explanations for this, and I think there is clearly a touch of mystery here, but my theory is that Satan's all-out attack on Christ was similar to the sting of a bee. They say, and I admit I didn't do too well in science class, but they say that when a bee stings you, it dies. So I think that in releasing all the demonic poison in his arsenal, Satan shot his wad, so to speak. He used up his power. Now, there are other things that happened here that defeat the devil, like the example of self-sacrifice that Jesus gave us. When we follow that example in our lives, Satan is defeated. But back to the main point. The death of Jesus broke the power of Satan and the power of sin. And through faith in him, we are set free 
from bondage. 1 John 5.19 says that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. But in Christ, that power is broken. We are set free. Let me just talk for a minute about how that happens in a practical way. How are we set free and why do we need to be set free? In another of his letters, the second one to the church in Corinth, Paul said, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. In the ancient world, great cities had walls around them to repel enemy invaders. To defeat the people in the city, you had to pull down their walls so that they were exposed. In our minds, in our souls, are strongholds, are walls that were built up by the enemy of our souls. Most people don't recognize this. They just take certain thoughts that they have always believed for granted. But every thought that is contrary to the truth of God is from Satan. Jesus said that he is the father of lies. He lied to Adam and Eve in the garden. They believed him, acted on his lie, and the rest is our sad history. Satan's goal is to get you to believe what is not true. Once you believe certain things, you eventually act on them. The real work of Satan is this, getting us to do things that are self-destructive. People wonder why their lives turn out the way they do. Usually, it is because they have made choices that perhaps they thought were okay, and by our culture, maybe they were okay, but, but they're against God's truth and against God's holy word. I could go into specific examples here, but I fear that if I did, there, there might be someone listening who's not ready to hear what I would share. So let me just say this. My target audience in these talks is believers in Christ, people who are seeking to live for Him. To you, let me say, you might have been a Christian for many years, but I am pretty confident that there are ways of thinking in your mind that are not from God. I know this from personal experience. We're usually not aware of these things, but they are hindering our faith and growth in grace. The good news is that in Christ and in his death, the power of God to tear down these strongholds, these towers of deception, so to speak, has been made available to you. Your prescription is to take heed to what Jesus said. He said in John chapter 8, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. One more from chapter 15. He said, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Notice that word abide. It means 
to remain, to stay. Too many people think that being a Christian is all about some ceremony you took part in years ago in church. Been there, done that. But the Christian life is just that, a life, a lifelong process. You must remain in Christ. You must remain in his word. It is your daily bread, your life. He said the words that I speak to you are spirit and life. As we remain in his word over time, it washes away those things deep inside that are hindering us. It tears down those strongholds of deception. Let me close with a little illustration that St. Paul uses when talking about, of all things, Christian marriage. In Ephesians 5, he wrote this, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. The washing of water with the word. When you've been working in the garden and your hands are very dirty, you come in and you go to the sink and you apply soap and you scrub your hands together to get them clean. That's the quick way to do it. There is another way that is slower but just as effective. That way is to simply hold your hands under running water until every particle of dirt is gone. Do you like to go to the woods and sit by a flowing, babbling brook? Have you noticed the smooth rocks on the bottom? Ever see one with mud or dirt on it? No, the flowing water washes away the dirt. In the same way as we daily allow the water of God's Word to wash over our souls, over our minds, over our thoughts, over our hearts, that pure flowing stream will eventually dislodge and wash away the lies that Satan has put there. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Salvation, freedom from deception, freedom from the destructive lies of the enemy of your soul. My friend, receive this power of God. Receive the freedom that Christ has won for you by his death at Calvary. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray for the folks that listen to this podcast. And I pray that God's Word, the truth of God's Word, will just break in upon their souls, will dispel darkness. And that over time, as they begin to abide in your Word daily, not just on Sunday, but every day, that your Word will wash away the dirt, the darkness, the things in their souls that hinder their lives in Christ. I pray this for each one, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for enduring this little talk today. If you would like to reach out to me, 
The best way is through email. My email address is father.danjones at outlook.com. Father, F-A-T-H-E-R dot Dan Jones, D-A-N-J-O-N-E-S at outlook.com. God bless you.